Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Rhonda. I've got another great interview for you this week. You're going to love it. So I hope you loved last week's interview. The feedback that we got was actually amazing. So thanks to all of you who reached out, got a ton of emails, and I loved it. Thank you very much. But today, I have another interview for you that's along the same lines. We're going to be talking about finances, but this time, we are going to talk about how you in your business, after you've got somebody to work with, which is what we talked about last week um, with Liz Ortiz at uh, KEM Biz Solutions. So if you have not gone and checked out her website, be sure you do that. But today's guest is going to talk to us about how to become our the chief financial wellness officer in our business, much like we take care of our patients. We look at the patients. We are their, you know, wellness supervisor, wellness coach, wellness advisor. She really advocates that you become that, you take on that role in your business as it has to do with your finances. Now, you definitely need someone to help you architect that out so that you know where your money's going. But now my guest today, her name is April. April's going to go even deeper and talk to us about how to look at top line revenue, expenses, and give us another perspective on how to increase profitability in our practices. So here you go. Let's listen in to my interview with April Stroink. Well, hey friends, welcome back to the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. And I've had quite the number of guests here lately, and today is no exception. I have my new friend, April Stroink, on with me today. Hi, April. Hello, Rhonda. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to have you on the podcast with me. So we were just talking, you know, off camera, so to speak, about what we were going to chat about. And I'm so excited to give you all of this information. And as you can see from the title of the podcast, we are going to be talking about how to manage your practice finances a little bit better. And no better person to do that than April, because she is actually a money coach. And so what she does is she works with small business owners to help them kind of get a handle on their money. So I don't know about you, but I have, after having owned a business and April, I'm sure you see this as well, but we, you know, as a small business owner, we own businesses. And especially when you're getting started, you just, you have enough money in the bank and then a bill comes and you're like checking your bank account. You go, oh my gosh, I don't, I I need, I got to, okay, I can pay that, but there's only $50 left. I better wait for one more day, see a few more people so I can get a little bit more money in the bank and then I'll pay the bill. And then at the end of the month, there's probably not enough left over or you're only taking a quote paycheck out of what you think is available in your checking account. And, and we end up, this is like, you know, borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, you know, it's like hand and mouth, hand and mouth, hand and mouth. And we, we work hard, but we don't ever feel like we get anywhere. And it's definitely a trap on the financial hamster wheel that all of us have been on. So April mm-hmm. first, I, that's definitely what I want to talk about is how do we get off of that hamster wheel? But 
before we get into the meat of it, I would love for everyone to know a little bit about your background and what you do. And then if you could just roll right on in and give us some money coaching today, that would be awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So I've been in, I studied finance in school and university, and then went straight into working in the financial industry in 1999 and was classically trained, if you will, as a financial advisor. And so what I mean by that was we had lots of knowledge around the mechanics of how money worked. And we talked about putting away for retirement and we talked about having your business insurance and everything in place. But what we really didn't spend a lot of time on or what we weren't trained on was money behavior. And so what I found is, yes, we're getting clients to put aside for retirement. We're getting clients to get their business insurance in place. But then exactly like you were saying, we never address this hamster wheel that entrepreneurs find themselves on from time to time. And in the meantime, uh, my husband and I owned a small business together. Uh, We owned an outdoor retail store. We grew it for the sake of growth only. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing. We were chasing top line, which is part of that hamster wheel. Hamster wheel all the um, way. So we grew it to five bricks and mortars, one online store, had over 30 employees. And, you know, we always talk about those first five years of being those hard years and half of the businesses don't make it. Right. What you really need to know is the businesses that after those five years, what that looks like is kind of crossing yeah. those badlands, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are the difficult years. Those are the years where you all of a sudden have employees, you need to make payroll. And all of a sudden it gets to like what you were just speaking about is everybody else gets paid, but you, I actually remember walking home one night from, from the, uh, office and just looking in the windows of my neighbors who were at home having dinner with their families. (laughs) I just put in a 12 hour day and I was stressing because payroll was the next day. And I didn't know how I was going to make payroll. And so around that time, I found a book called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. And in that book, Mike really starts to speak about this whole bank balance accounting that you just described so perfectly. So we are passionate about our products and services, not passionate about the business side of things and even less so about our finances. right? And so we never really learn how to read our financial statements. So we do bank balance accounting. And so we take a look and we say, okay, thank heavens, I'm going to make payroll this tomorrow. And then I have no sweet clue what I'm going to do after that. I'm just going to put my products in sale or- Do a discount. Um, discount Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything to get money in that top line- but that's not always the way to be profitable. We think that money in means we're making money. But if your overhead exceeds the amount of money, your bank account could look ridiculously awesome. But if you have a $100,000 payroll, and for, for my audience, they're never going to have that. But, you know, let's say you have a payroll that's three or $4,000. It doesn't matter if you don't have that money and you're, it doesn't mean you're going to get to go discount your stuff because that doesn't, that doesn't work in the equation to your point. 
Absolutely. It's those axioms that we've been taught um, around business is that the biggest axiom of all is the accounting equation of revenue minus expenses equals profit. Yeah, exactly. And so we're always chasing, like I said, we grew to a seven figure business, we expanded, but we had no sweet clue. We were just chasing top line. And what actually happened, Rhonda, was that we incurred more expenses by opening more locations and we are actually less profitable in the yeah. end, yeah. even though we were posting 2 million in sales. Right. And right. so it is this hamster wheel that we continuously get on and money doesn't always equal math. It's emotional. And so what I find a lot of business owners as well, will start to pour in, take a second mortgage on their home and pour that into the business. Yeah. There's no strategy around it. And they also, uh, before we started, we were talking about my money behaviors quiz is they don't actually take the time to understand what are their behaviors around money and how to grow a business to the right size for them. And so it's really about understanding not only the mechanics of how money works, but also your behaviors, i.e. bank balance accounting, you really got to move those two together for you to get to your financial goals. Yeah. And I think that that requires, at least in, in my world with healthcare practitioners, we're so busy taking care of patients. You know, we're doing the patient thing. It's all day, all day, all day, all day, you know, in a brick and mortar where you've got retail products, you have a staff person that's there that's checking people out and sweeping and maybe doing some other things for us. We are the rainmaker, so to speak. Like we're the ones that are generating that income. So then at the end of the day, I don't have time, nor do I have the interest in going and figuring all this crap out. I just need to see how much is in my bank account and am I going to make my rent payment or my payroll or whatever. And if there's a little bit left over, I'll grab $500 and go to the grocery store and buy some flowers for my wife. Like it, there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. And so when we do, we just keep like on that treadmill. We just don't have the time. So what we need is something that's like super simple and actionable so that we can slowly start to change those financial behaviors and get be, begin to create new habits around our money because we just do this default thing. We check the bank, bank balance accounting. We check the bank. If there's not enough, then there's not enough. And we think, gosh, I'm working so dang hard and I have nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. And so I that's I work with clinician entrepreneurs. I niche down with clinician entrepreneurs in the last five years. And the other thing is that for all of the education that um, health and wellness providers take, the practice hours are very small. Yeah. And then the practice hours that are devoted to finances are even less. Zero. I'm going to say zero. <laughs> yeah. I'm teaching inside the, the college uh, next week. So um, they've reached out to say, we've got to get this started. We've got to get this started earlier because most, again, uh, clinicians are going to open up a practice and be self-employed. And as you said, there's so many things that they're already concentrating on that asking them to take on one other step is just too much. Yeah. And so they think that by building what I call your wealth care team um, and having a bookkeeper and having your accountant, and you check that off. But unfortunately, you still have to be what I call the chief financial wellness officer of your exactly. practice. 
Yeah. Because you have to keep your fingers on the pulse because I'm sure that you've heard this as well before is that if you abdicate, just like if you abdicate your health to somebody else and you're not advocating for your health care, it's the same with your wealth care. It's not something you can set it and forget it. Unfortunately, no, right. you do have to, you do have to work at it just like you have to work at your health. And so that's why I really talk um, with clinician entrepreneurs about equating your wealth care with your health care. It's very similar. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean you need to become a bookkeeper or an accountant, but you do have to step into that role of advocating for your wealth. And making sure that the decisions that are being made, whether that's from a bookkeeper or an accountant or a CPA, that those decisions are being made in line with your end goals. What's important to you? Do you want to retire in five years? You know, that's more of that financial planning, but you can't just go start investing in the stock market or hire a financial planner that's going to start making all these financial decisions. To your point, we as the clinician entrepreneurs still have to be in charge and say, wait a minute. This is what I want. I want to own my own building. I want to buy my own building or I've got all this college debt that I've got to get rid of. And so I can't save because I have all this debt and, you know, profit first and the system that you're talking about, which I'm very familiar with, you know, he advocates that, yeah, you can actually have both. You can actually be profitable and get that debt paid down. So let's talk about how a frazzled, overwhelmed clinician who's seeing patients every day, all day. And then we're saying, oh yeah. And, but there's one more thing that you need to do. So how do we start making, moving the ship, moving the rudder so that we can start becoming a financial wellness officer in our own practices and make sure that we're taking care of our own financial health? Absolutely. And that's what I love about the profit first system is because it works with entrepreneurial behaviors, i.e. bank balance accounting. And so um, what we like to do is open up five bank accounts. I know that sounds daunting all in its own, but the reason why you want to do that is because, again, we look at our bank balances to make decisions about our business. And so if the money is allocated to expenses, we know that we have to keep our expenses capped at that number. If uh, we have an account that's dedicated to taxes, we cannot touch those in order for to pay our expenses. Mm-hmm. This is where I see a lot of clinician entrepreneurs get themselves into a world trouble. of hurt. Yep. Is they're like, oh, I'm just going to borrow that tax. They know in the back of their mind and the mental math that uh, they need to be setting aside for taxes. But again, that's one more thing to think of. And oh, I'll right. pay that tax account back. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you tomorrow never comes. So you need to <laughs> ever, ever yeah. set that aside. So you have to have a system anytime, like whether it's health or wealth that works with your behaviors. If you're working against your behaviors, it just won't stick. And so having the multiple bank accounts uh, for specific purposes and with clinician entrepreneurs, I even take it one step further than the traditional five that Mike talks about is I find clinician entrepreneurs get them in trouble, get themselves in trouble with labs. So we actually create a bank account for labs. Mm. Or if they have associates in their clinic, we actually create a bank account for associate pay. And so 
those kinds of things that I see really derail um, clinician entrepreneurs because they look at their bank account, they see there's $50,000 there. And so they spend on operations and then lo and behold, they owe 60% of that to their associates. And then you're into a line of credit and away you go again. So just having these bank accounts for specific purposes it helps your brain because you know that that's, that's what that money's for. And we cannot touch it. And this is where sort of the mindset starts to happen too, is you start to live within your means. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mike talks about in the book, Parkinson's law. So Parkinson's law states that demand will always meet supply. So Mike talks about the tube of toothpaste, right? So you get a tube of toothpaste at the beginning, you're smearing it all over your toothbrush. Like it's never going to end. And then when you only when you get down to that last few bits in the tube of toothpaste, do you start using the recommended pea size on yeah. your toothbrush? Yeah, exactly. Or less and because so, you're trying to squeeze every last little bit out of that toothpaste tube. Absolutely. And my um my mother-in-law is Dutch, and so she even has a tool that you can actually get that last drop of toothpaste out as well. But the point is, is we've got to think of our expenses that way. It's not this ever-ending tube of toothpaste. We actually have to take a look at putting guardrails around those expenses and flip that accounting equation to revenue minus profit equals expenses. That's not saying that we aren't going to spend, uh, pay our expenses. And it's not saying profit before people or profit before planet. But what it's saying is that we need to bake profitability into everything that we offer to our community. Because if you do not, and you are not profitable, then you will not stay in business. You will not be there for your community. Right. And if not you, then who? Somebody else is going to come in and swipe up your spot. And then you had the business that went down and you think, well, wonder what happened? What did I do wrong? How did my business fail? And it was because we didn't plan to succeed. Bingo. Yeah. So Bingo. when you talk about making profitability first, I know- that one of the one of the the accounts that that you would open would be a profit account, and so to start off, taking a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of the revenue that comes into your business over the course of a week or two weeks, however you want to do it, but then you would just set a little bit of that aside in that profit account, just a tiny bit. Might just be as small as like one percent. Is that right? That's correct. If you want to just get started really quick on the road to profitability, you've got to open up those channels of abundance. So opening up a savings account, usually we like to have it separate from your regular business bank account because out of sight, out of mind, right? Right, I don't keep potato chips in my pantry because I will eat them. (laughs) So I don't bring them in the house. So it's the same with that profit account. You've got to set it into another bank altogether. And as you said, start allocating 1% of your revenue into that profit account. That's the best way to get started. So let's think about that just from a practical standpoint. So if we're just talking dollars, so let's say that you have an $8,000 week. If we're going to take 1%, 10% is $800. 1% is just $80. And your bank account is going to be just fine without that $80, just fine. You're never even going to miss it, ever miss it. 
So you take that $80 and you put it over in that uh, out of sight, out of mind profit account at the bank down the street. No checks, no debit card. You don't even have access. It just goes in yeah. the account. And so now you got $80 in there and you don't think about it. So then when you are going to, quote, reconcile your income and pull that 1% aside, how often do you recommend that we do that? Monthly, weekly, what would you say? So we like to have it accumulate for a full quarter. And when the full quarter is up, you take half of it out as a distribution to you as the owner. And the other half stays in the business for a rainy day. Let's say, I don't know, a global pandemic happens uh-huh. and your cash flow is down. Right. You use this like an emergency fund um, for your business. And this is where we really have to shift how we view profitability inside of our business. Because let's go back to axioms again. The old way that we have been trained and has been generations passed down to be true is that we take our profits and we plow them back into the business. And so what we, what we, the logic behind our, what we call profit and profit first is if you were to invest in, let's say Amazon and Amazon is, I mean, skyrocketing. And so you receive a dividend. If you receive that dividend check in the mail, you wouldn't say, you know what, Jeff, take that dividend back and reinvest that into Amazon. No, you would take that check and use it. Maybe you would buy more Amazon stock with it, but you would use it for your own purposes. Right. Right. As business owners, we take the risk of betting on ourselves. Right. And so we take the risk of owning our own businesses. We could have taken that money and invested in any other business, but we invested in ourselves. And as so, we need to be paying ourselves a dividend from the hard work that we do. And that's what half of that profit account is. When we take a look at reinvesting back into our business, we consider that an operating expense. Oh, so the money that sits in the profit account after you've taken the distribution is then just sits there for that rainy day. But the distribution then becomes my gift to myself as like a profit share almost, just like the Amazon dividend. Bingo. Uh, So if I put $80 a week in, at the end of the month, I'm going to have $3,200 in there, right? At the end of the month, if I put $80 a week, I have an $8,000 week, I put $80 in. I have another $8,000 week, I put $80 in. If it's the same all month long, at the end of the month, I'm going to have a $3,200. in my account. And let's say I do that three months in a row. So now I have $660, right? No, 960. That is not good today. (laughs) 960 in that account. We'll round it up to a thousand. Thousand dollars. Yeah. I have a thousand dollars in my profit account. So then at the end of the quarter, I'm going to get a dividend of $500. That you can do with whatever you want. Woohoo! Nice. And then the $500 just sits there. And then I'm going to keep doing the same thing. And then the next quarter, I'm going to take half of what's in there again. And it's just going to keep building and building and building and building. Exactly. Genius. Exactly. Genius. And like you said, you'll never miss that $80. Right. And then all of a sudden, you've got $1,000 and $500 is coming to you. I remember my first, uh, my first profit distribution. I'm like, I'm going to spend this on myself. And I took myself to the spa and, uh, it was 
lovely. And then the second time I felt a little guilty about that. So I, it was September. So it was back to, back to school shopping. So I took that money and had a guilt-free shopping spree with my daughters for back to school. Wow. And so you could take it and you could set it aside and rat hole it somewhere for a vacation. You could take your spouse out to dinner, whatever you want to do, but it's basically your, your money for your hard earned work inside the business. And now this is on top of a salary, correct? That's correct. So there's two ways that a clinician entrepreneur as the CEO of their practice gets paid. The first is what we call owner's pay. And owner's pay is for the the market-based wage of the work that you are doing inside of your practice. So let's say, for example, um, you own a clinic, but you're a practicing clinician. You need to treat yourself as you would your associate and give yourself the same split. And you need to pay yourself for running the clinic and the market-based wage for that as well. And then on top of that, that clinic needs to be profitable to give you a profit distribution. Right. So there's three kind of three pieces in there. So you're being paid and it can all be in one lump salary. You know, let's say you, you want to pay yourself, let's just say $5,000 a month, maybe $3,000 is the clinical for what you're doing clinically. A thousand is for what you're doing as a CEO in your business and the owner. And another thousand is for the profitability. Correct. Right. So you have a $5,000 payroll that you're getting every single month. That's different than this separate profit account over here. That's correct. Okay. So I'm just getting that salary every month, $5,000. Now I would bet from the uh, clinicians that are listening that very, very, very few of them are set up on a regular salary where there's a paycheck actually coming to them every two weeks. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you're listening, you need to be getting a payroll. That's all I'm going to say. You just need to get that set up so that your company can pay those taxes, et cetera. But you've got to have that payroll distribution. Otherwise your behavior, April, to your point, that old behavior is going to be back. And then what are we going to be doing when we need money? Mm -hmm. We're going to be looking at the bank balance and going, oh, there's $3,000 in the bank account. Maybe I'll take 2000 out today. Mm -hmm. That's no bueno. We don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. You also need to get, it's, it's setting up those good financial habits as well. Right. And like I said before, it comes into that law of um, Parkinson's law is that when you start to have this consistency in your salary, you'll start to see I've got to really do an audit on my expenses and see where my money is going. Like you said, clinician entrepreneurs have very full calendars. Yeah. And so what can happen is you have this expense creep start to happen. And all of a sudden you've thrown money at something to make it easier when in fact, it's not even something that your clinic needs. And so one of the things that I do when I work with a clinician entrepreneur is that we do an expense audit and we identify what are those profit driving expenses in your practice? What are the reoccurring expenses? And when's the last time we took a look at those? And what are those unnecessary expenses? Right. And so again, we get busy and all of a sudden we say, oh, you know what? I think we need this or I think we need that. And all of a sudden these expense creep starts to happen and starts to get in as well. 
We also have this uh, desire yeah. to have beautiful offices and our dispensary shelves to be full all the time. And it really impacts your bottom line and you really have to be paying attention to um, into to your expense management. And so that's the other thing in Profit First as well. We put parameters around based on the income level of your practice, where we like to see your expense management be. And that includes salary caps too, as we really have to be paying attention to our payroll. Right. And how much we're going as a payroll is the biggest expense you're going to have hands down. Payroll and rent. At payroll and rent. Exactly. Those are your two biggest expenses. And when you can start cutting out the things that you don't need, like you know, I recently just went through and thought I was looking at my subscriptions, which is always a great place to start. And some of them I have on an annual. And so I went back through and did an audit to see what was, what did I have that I've paid for? You know, you pay for something annually because you think, oh, I'm going to get a better savings if I do that. But then it comes back up and it renews and it catches you by surprise. I'm like, wait a minute. I haven't used that thing in a whole year because you just forgot about it. So I found, I recovered about $1,500. Just doing this, this audit. And it, like, I had a Netflix and a Hulu subscription who needs both. And so I canceled one of them. Right. So that doing that kind of audit can make a big difference in taking a look. Cause you think about if you're saying yes to an expense, that means you're no, saying no to your profit. You're right. Exactly. It's a yes or a no. I like to do an expense audit on my business every every quarter. And so I did the same in regards to my insurance this year. I got my insurance just rolled over and I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. (laughs) And uh, I gave a call and got my insurance down by $2,000 a year. And so interestingly enough, I was meeting with a clinician entrepreneur uh, yesterday that owns a successful practice. And all of a sudden, all of her practice management uh, fees and her college uh, fees and everything came out. It's all coming out this month. And her uh, insurance as well. And so her practice insurance and her life insurance. And so it was a $30,000 chunk that's all coming in March. And so we took a look at, okay, well, if we minute, like if we smooth out those payments, how much do we have to start putting into your operating expense account? There you go. And like you said, that annual payment, we think if we pay annually, we're going to save money, but it goes on a credit card or goes on a line of credit that doesn't get paid off and it actually costs you more money, more money and it interrupts your cash flow. So we actually called the broker and said, let's split up that payment uh, to a monthly payment versus annually. But you yeah. really have to be on the ball about your um, expenses. And like you said, it's those subscriptions that really can creep up on us. Yeah. They're just the silent ones that come up. You know, there's other ones that you could, you know, you can like renegotiate your Wi-Fi or your internet fees or change from a landline. We just did this where we changed from a landline to a voiceover internet. And it saved me about $300 a month, a month, every month. I'm like, dang, times 12 months. I just put some serious money in my pocket. So those are the little things I know for me that has really made a difference. So now we've talked about opening, instead of opening five accounts or six or seven, if we were only going to open, let's just say two, let's just make this super easy because that makes me feel overwhelmed. If you say I have to open five accounts and maybe a couple more, no, no, make my brain hurt. I'd rather get into the habit of doing the little thing and do it well. So if we were going to keep our normal checking account which is where our income and expenses are going. What other two accounts would you say, or one, one or two, would be 
really good to start with for a doctor that's listening? What would you say? We talked about the profit account. So that's definitely, that's the 1% or whatever we're going to put in there. Right. Let's just back up for a second. And if you do not have a separate business account and a separate credit card for your business, that's where you're going to start. You yeah. Stop mixing your personal with your business. But that's if you've already it. done that exactly. and have your business account, the next would be to open that profit account. And then the second one would be to open up a separate tax account. So taxes. So setting aside for tax. And is this tax like IRS annual federal return, or are you talking payroll taxes or both? No, payroll taxes would be part of your operating expenses. Okay, that's what so, I would have thought too. So this is this is your tax that you have to remit like in your quarterlies. Correct. Or yeah. if you do, if you are in a state where you have to charge sales tax as well, you okay. want to put the sales tax and your corporate tax corporate or tax. your personal income yeah. tax in it. And here in Seattle, we always joke, there are literally seven different taxes that we have to pay. Fortunately, I think two of them are on one return and two of them are on another return, but there's like four or five returns that we have to do every quarter. One of them is monthly. We have to pay this tax monthly. So for me here with a business in Seattle, Washington, I would need to be able to allocate, know what that is as a percentage of my income, because it's always based on a percentage of some kind. Mm -hmm. So I would just know, okay, at the beginning of the month, I'm going to set aside X number of dollars into that tax account so that when it comes time for me to pay those taxes monthly or quarterly, it doesn't hurt my cash flow. I'm just setting it aside, just like I'm setting aside that 1% profit. So this, I can wrap my head around. I'm good with this. So how can we, if for someone who's listening, how can they best connect with you if they want to learn more about how to do this or to have someone work with them, like you have helped them be able to do this, how would they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Well, um, I'm on Instagram. It's just April Stroink as well as Facebook. Or um, if they wanted to book in for a 30-minute free consult as well to see if my program would be a good fit for them, they can just go to my website, aprilstroink.ca and contact and away we go. Awesome. And then you were so kind to send over a free financial quiz. Yes. Yes. So I will link that in the show notes. So for those of you listening, if you want to take that quiz, um, I haven't taken it yet. So I'm going to take it as soon as we're done. Um, I'm going to go take the quiz and find out a little bit about myself. Uh, But I love that you did that. Thank you so much for giving that to us. And then again, so April Stroink, S-T-R-O-I-N-K dot ca april ca so you can go learn more about april there and uh, then take the quiz it'll be the link will be in the show notes for this episode and before we wrap up is there any last thing that you want to make sure that all of my amazing listeners know i think the biggest thing is that when you're stepping into this role of cfwo you really have to become curious and become curious Mm. about your finances. So good. So many times we have so much shame and, and I'm bad with my money and all this, this language that we, we have associated money around money, but really become curious about your finances and, and ask questions and you'll just find that you'll, you may become passionate about this side of your business. 
if you just give it a little bit of time for you to kind of adapt and, and get comfortable with the language, like, you know, pulling from your top line revenue or driving that top line revenue and start to become a little bit more versed in how to think about it. And then, yeah, I love that you said that. Just be curious about it. It's not, there's no shame and listen off the record. We all kind of suck at it. Because we went to school to be clinicians. We did not go to finance school like you did. We did not, we did not do that. So we don't know how to do it. So there is a lot of shame. And I know a lot of times, like in some of my upper level programs, I'll ask for like financial information and people are like, I don't manage my money, but there's always a disclaimer in there. I know I'm not good with my money, but my clinic only makes, you know, $14 a month at, or whatever. And I'm like, there's no shame here. None of us know how to do this from the beginning. So That's right. um, I, I say your practice and do what you do. Yeah. So I say we just get our uh, financial muscles on and let's start to exercise the muscle and develop out this side of your business, of our businesses, our practices, so that we can have a retirement so that we don't have to panic when a bill comes in every single month and you're not prepared. Or like the person that you talked about, where there's a $30,000 worth of charges that come through in one month, that is, would make your butt pucker all day long. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, now what am I going to do? So I, this is such a great conversation, April. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're so welcome. It's been my greatest pleasure to have you. So again, everybody go check out her site, aprilstroink.ca, find her on Instagram, and then check out the show notes for this episode. And there's a link in there for the financial quiz. So April, thanks again. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you. So good. So much great information. I think these two podcasts are like right up there in my top faves and probably my top 10 faves of all times. Uh, I love this interview and April just really brought great perspective. So be sure that you go take that um, business financial quiz. So the link is in the show notes. You can absolutely do that. And then if you do want to connect with April, you absolutely can do that. Um, you can go to, you can find her on Instagram. That's really where she is primarily. So it's just April Stroink, S-T-R-O-I-N-K, uh, on Instagram and Facebook. So just her name on both of those platforms. And then take the money, the behavior quiz. She calls it the money behavior quiz. And find out where you rank. I love quizzes. So I already took it. I'm not going to tell you what my score was, but that's pretty good, actually. Not too bad. Got some room for improvement, though, that's for sure. So April was really a great, huge help in how to really do that financial planning for your business. So go take that quiz and follow her on Instagram or Facebook, April Stroink. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being so faithful, listening to the podcast. And then let me know if there's ever a topic that you'd love to learn more about. I'm always open to listen. So thanks for reviewing. Thanks for reaching out. You can always get me at support at rondanelson.com or... If you're not on my mailing list, I'd love to have you. And there you just go to rondanelson.com forward slash join. Super simple. So take care, friends. See you next week. Bye for now. (laughs)